Sobertown. What's up, Sobertown? It's been so long, I don't even remember our intro. You, you. I know. All I know is I'm here with Elaine Schuyler Neal. And I'm with Sarah Malloy. We're still the sober baddies, still conquering it out. Sarah's in her you closet. I'm in my closet. I've got the patented Sarah Malloy crystal water bottle. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. If you remember from your notes from the uh, sober astrology, dear listeners, there was a mention of a crystal water bottle. One of our favorite listeners sent one to me, and then I sent one to Elaine. Oh, that's now, awesome. We're all zenned up. Yeah. Do you think how, what is your personal belief about that stuff? Like, do you feel like it works? You know, I, I do believe that there is like a vibrational energy in stones and gems and pretty much all matter. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not like, oh my God, I forgot my crystal water bottle. My day is going to be <laughs> a shit show. It's like, ah. You know, if it helps, it helps. Yeah, I do find that like the more I connect personally with objects, whether they have crystals in them or not, they they provide yeah. tremendous comfort to me. And I, totally. pers- I, I really love stuff that people have given me. Like I really cherish exactly. it. Exactly. I mean, like there's a placebo effect to it, right? Like That's true. if you believe that it works and you're like, intention you're putting an intention forth that like i carry a stone in my pocket um it's like a leopard quartz or something and i carry it in the jacket that i wear to job sites and it's meant to balance and harmonize male feminine and masculine energy (laughs) which is important on a construction right yep i work you just whip it out in front of people like a talisman like here you are I definitely like grab a hold of it. Like before I walk in, it's in my pocket. Sometimes if, you know, my hands are in my pocket, I kind of grab a hold of it. And I just feel like I have just as much thought, wisdom, skill, solution, ability as you do, you know, and it just, it helps me. And maybe it's not even real. Like maybe it's, maybe it's my daughter's pet rock, but like just, (laughs) Having those thoughts, I think, help. Right. Because, I mean, even if it were completely false and fake and whatever, even just that association you have with that and that belief system in your mind that kicks on, there's totally something there. Totally. I love it. I'm personally counting on my water bottle to take years off my life. Yeah. Years off your life? I'm planning on being 25 by the end of this call. (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay. That's so funny. You're like, take years off your life. Like people say like cigarettes take years off your life. Oh like, yeah. I okay. mean, in reverse. You, yeah. <laughs> giving, giving you take years off your face. <laughs> right. I should have said that the, the other way. It's giving me life. The crystal. Totally. I totally. used to, speaking of crystals, I used to love the dark crystal movie and oh. the reboot was amazing. If you've never seen it. I haven't I I need to because I love the original I love I I mean come on I I think Margo would love it yeah don't you think it's scary I remember being scared of the Skeksis yeah they they drain your essence yeah they take those sweet little children the the Skeksis are alcohol kids they drain your essence (laughs) that's just what I was gonna say 
<laughs> they drain your essence. They take the little children and they drain the youth out of them. <laughs> your kids will never drink again. See those monsters? They're like booze. They mm -hmm. take your soul mm -hmm. away. <laughs> Every time you drink, a new one of those gets born. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <yikes>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, it's so good to be back. It feels like we've been apart um, for a long time. For sure. Like, has it been a month? When Do you have any idea when we last met? Probably this last, the last couple of months in general have been a bit of a blur to me. You know, you just get okay. in those blur moments with work and it's just like, you're just getting through the hours and then you're like, damn it, it's Friday already. And damn it, I didn't get everything done. And ugh. oh, a thousand percent. Do you feel like, how do you feel like you handle, so you're, you're an entrepreneur, you're, a, you're a self-employed individual as well. Do you feel like, what do you feel like are your uh, sober strengths in that, or, I mean, how's that changed or what are, what's going on in your mind now when you get crazy busy? Work and sobriety. Um, I do feel like I have, um, how do I say it? Like my, my foresight vision is much longer mm -hmm. in, in sobriety. It's like, I, I, um, I got an A in driver's ed. <laughs> yes. I have a I multitude a of little like fender benders on my record, but those are simply unlucky scenarios. I am a good, well, uh, well-versed driver. Anyway. You have to be a good driver in Colorado. Shit. We don't even have guardrails out here. Right. Dang. <laughs> but in driver's ed, there was a saying that said, don't overdrive your headlights. And mm -hmm. it's like your headlights can only light in at night, obviously at night, yeah. can only light up the path so far ahead of you. So make sure that you're prepared for what could come in, you know, to your path beyond what your headlights are showing you. And I feel like in sobriety, my headlights are just like brighter and farther. And so yeah. I'm able to have the mental wherewithal to like plan things farther ahead in better detail with just more forethought. And so I feel like things come at me in slower motion, as opposed to when I was a drinker and things just seem to just come out of nowhere <laughs> all the time. Oh God, I didn't realize the birthday party was today. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize you had come all the way to visit me for the weekend from so far away this weekend. <laughs> you know, it's like, nah, dude, what about you? Yeah. I mean, I'm learning a lot about myself in, in sobriety, obviously, but even just as I continue to be a self-employed person, because my whole like I got lucky in early, early sobriety. I mean, I'm still, we're still in early sobriety, right? I just hit 17 Sweet months. Babies. You're at, I don't know where, where you are. You must be like 19 months. I think it's like 21. Oh, cool. I can't remember how far ahead of you, you, My of me, you are. Six. My yeah. birthday is in month six. So oh, cool. we're in month three now. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I guess what I was just trying to say is that, um, I had a really easy early recovery, like the first half year or so, like I didn't really have to work and, um, I, you know, it was in the middle of COVID stuff was shut down. I was lucky to be on unemployment and I was kind of like building my business at that point that I've just now started to really get going. And so 
like I kind of had a really easy go. Like I could take walks anytime I felt cravings. I, I didn't have the stress of like the client load that I do now. So I'm you like, had the luxury of being able to focus on your recovery. Yeah, and- I really did. I really did. And I've thanked my partner a million times that, you know, mm-hmm. and he doesn't even ask me for that, but you know, I feel very fortunate that I was able to focus on that. And I didn't have the demands of a 40 hour work week, even though I was working on other projects to get me where I am today. Um, mm-hmm. I was still working. They were just more self-driven projects and the occasional job and that kind of thing. So now that I'm like, even though I'm more stable in my recovery, I'm still learning how to operate my own business and handle my own client load. And if the thing is, is like, if you're kind of an insufferable people pleaser like myself and you tend to say yes to everything, shit can get crazy really quick. And totally. so like, I'm still learning how to even navigate all that and I'm trying to like protect my recovery, like a little baby bird. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I feel like I'm like, I'm, I'm like taking on stuff and I'm weathering all the stress and I'm really proud that I was able to get through it, but I'm also like, damn, okay maybe not take on all those people and all those things for the next couple months, because it just was all coming at me. And I was like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and sobriety also brings you um, a realization of boundaries. And so you're kind of like, I can't do that. This is what I can't, this is what I am going to do. We could do a whole motherfucking mm-hmm. podcast on boundaries let me just Boundary. say because the thing is too and i don't know everyone struggles with boundaries in and out of work and all flat facets of life i imagine unless you're brene brown who like has nailed her mm-hmm. boundaries you know and writes books about for people like us to deal with but um i feel like especially in unemployed or self-employment yeah people like boundaries are so hard, especially, and I don't know how much you deal with this, but like, I suppose this happens with anyone now because we've got devices in our hands 24 seven. And whether it's your boss at work at your full-time job, or like in my case, I work on Upwork a lot and I'm working with people around the world. So then I've got the whole time factor and other people in different time zones chiming in whenever they can. And then me feeling like I need to respond, but it's like, this, the, like our phone has really, our technology has really uh, lowered our boundaries Boom. so much because people can feel like they just can reach out and message us. And we're, and there's this pressure to respond. Do you feel that pressure to respond oh, constantly? So much. So like I work for myself, which means I do have the freedom to like go volunteer in my daughter's classroom or yeah. take a vacation or whatever. But with that comes a text pretty much every like Sunday that's like yeah. hey girl what size is our sink base because we're at Lowe's right now picking out sinks how yeah. tall should my faucet be what do you think about this hardware hey girl do you have the measurements for the and it's like uh, and I feel compelled because I am a recovering codependent and so I yeah. have a pleasing <laughs> thing and a boundary thing and also because this is my like income to just be like hey guys I gotta hop on my computer real quick to my like kids or whatever yeah the movie and and email them back like so you're gonna want to make sure that you get 3cm and then make sure that's a double apron so you make sure that the front is not taller than 11 inches like (laughs) and it's like I just baby people instead of saying 
I can't do that right now. Yeah. When I onboard, I guess I could be like, so, hey, you're invited to text me Monday through Friday night. Yeah, that is what I'm thinking about these things constantly, even 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 not even as we're talking. But, yes, you bring up so many good points. How do we establish these boundaries on the front end? I just took a week off and I emailed every one of my clients and I was like, look, I'm going to be gone. I even told them I was like, I'm going to be off the grid. If you need Mm -hmm. some shit tell me now <laughs> but even yes. still put it in my people, email and you'll get it in a week yeah people but even still people were like um oh yeah i wanted to just throw out this one thing and i'm like i told you i was gonna be gone and here myself is i'm like in the wilderness like okay so on my phone and i'm like what am i doing i, know. I, know. I told oh, them I there's so many times where i'm like driving and responding to a fucking text about somebody's sick base or what not how tall they're whatever is and i'm like what's it gonna look like when i'm in the hospital and the police officer's like ma'am i'd like to talk to you about what happened yeah your kids are in icu we looked at your phone like and like i guess there's worse things i could be like scrolling instagram or whatever while i'm driving there's way worse things but it's like how important was that lady's like how tall is your turkey pan yeah i know And I mean, do you feel like, because this, these are the things, these are the gems that we get to uncover in sobriety Mm -hmm. because we are, we have so much clarity and Mm -hmm. and the ability to, like you said, slow things down, kind of like take a step back, examine all angles. Do you feel like that this is based on fear? Like, do you feel fearful about like what people will think? Like, what are the fear points for you on this or are the fear points? I think it's fear driven. I think it's like, well, what if, what if she thinks I'm too dismissive and she goes and takes the designs I've already sent to her and takes it to somebody else? Yeah. Or I think like, what if somebody leaves me a bad review on Upwork? I'll never uh-huh, get a job again. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. It's dumb. It's so dumb. Okay. Back to driver's ed. <laughs> like if my Don't husband has my knowledge to- on this, Sarah. Okay. I know <laughs> skinny pedal on the right makes it go. <laughs> Where if my husband ever listens yeah. to the, he's always like why do you always quote driver said like like i just i have had a handful of fender benders but they're simply unlucky i am like a well-informed driver okay. uh in driver said they talk about having the sphere of awareness which mm-hmm. is you're not just looking ahead like and you're not just looking in your rearview mirror you're constantly aware of like this bubble a sphere of awareness of 360 degrees around what's going on around your car Mm. And I feel like in sobriety, our sphere of awareness is bigger because I feel like we do have more foresight and I feel way more reflective too Yeah, for sure. about the past. And I feel like I'm like, what was that incident? So I can reflect on it in a healthy way and like try to garner lessons from it and gratitude yeah. as opposed to like dwelling on the negative. Um, I think your driver's ed teacher was fucking the Dalai Lama just doing some <laughs> <laughs> some, some outreach work or somebody in their buddhist training yeah he is it's a bubble it's a sphere, sphere i would have loved that mm-hmm. my i think my guy was half drunk while he was teaching <laughs> he was like falling asleep during the movie you know oh no ours was like the football coach and like in order to have the job as the football coach he was required to like yeah. teach some classes so it was like fucking weightlifting and then like and then driver's ed. I guess I'll do driver's ed. That seems easy enough. Oh my uh, yeah. God. 
Okay, uh, I have to. This is a, this is the sound of a Lacroix opening because it's Sunday afternoon. Nice, that's a good I don't one. Know if it got on there, but you know what's funny is you gave me a Lacroix when we met last time, and it is still in my car. And what's funny is I know, right? I found it because I like put it in the back somewhere when I got in, and I found it just the other day. And I was about to leave for my road trip, and I was going to be driving all around, and I was like, "Oh, I should keep this." I mean, what if I like? What if this is like my last water? Sarah will love that. Okay. I like run out of water. And I'm like, oh, good thing I have this LaCroix. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Can I tell a story about something like yeah. that? When I was a teacher, I was also a bartender. Okay. I was like bartending like two nights a week till 2 a.m. Yikes. And in my desk, I always kept a Red Bull. And it was like a, in case of emergency, break glass, like use this Red Bull. <laughs> And that Red Bull, I never opened it. Really? Wow. Like, I never opened it. I I taught for like five years and that was only ever always in my drawer. And then I like, we moved back to California and it was like in my fridge. <laughs> and my neighbor like knew like that's her like emergency Red Bull. And like, as long as I had it. Oh, that's so funny. I knew I wouldn't need it. Yeah. There and we that's, go. That's, your, that's, that's hilarious. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you know, I just want to throw this out there. Like yeah. I, I put, it was, it's weird to say I just had a failure moment in travel, but I totally did because I was like super exhausted from all this work. You get super exhausted in any form of employment, let alone, you know, mm-hmm. also self-employment. And mm-hmm. I was working so hard to take this trip. And mm-hmm. then I, against my better, like I was feeling like right before the trip, like, oh, I'm feeling exhausted. I probably shouldn't go. But then if I stay home, I'm just going to miss the websites and people mm-hmm. are going to be emailing me. Somehow they'll know, they'll know I didn't leave and they'll email yeah. me. That was my, yeah. that was my conversation. But then I went and I ended up getting even more run down and I felt sick. So I turned mm-hmm. around, but it's so weird. I had, this is like going on, spurring on to like um, what we're talking about with um, still learning about ourselves. Like I went through a shame shit storm as Brene Brown calls it. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you ever listen, do you ever read Brene Brown or listen to her at all? Fuck yeah. Okay, cool. Well, so for those people who don't know who Brene Brown is, she's- What American would Brene Brown, Brown do? WWBBD. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> she just has a, I, there's a great podcast with her and Dax Shepard, and she talks a lot about her own shame shit storms. Because first of all, I didn't even understand the difference between guilt and shame until I started reading her books. Guilt mm-hmm. being like, um, I, I feel I did something wrong. Shame being I am wrong or I am bad. Totally like behavior. Like one is like an action. The other is like I self-identifying as bad. And like, I didn't realize till I started reading her books and working with a therapist and entering into sobriety that I carry around a lot of shame here and there, Mm -hmm. but I understand my, I'm, I'm still understanding my triggers, but it was so weird. You'd never think that like, turning around on a road trip where you have no reservations. Like I had no money I was going to lose. I was just like camping and floating around. And I was like, cool. and I turned around and I felt such, I got hit with the biggest shame shitstorm because it, I, it was like 
failure. Uh, I I should have done this um, whole trip. I'm I feel like a failure for not doing it. But you know how like sometimes one small thing is the catalyst for like bigger things, right? Mm-hmm. So like then it was like, oh, now I'm like I'm like driving exhausted on the way home. Do you like my little pantomime of? The- I know mine's like this. mine's a little more Corella Deville when I'm driving. <laughs> but I'm driving home and I'm feeling like a failure because I didn't go all the way to um southern Arizona, which is what I planned. Mm-hmm. Um and then all of a sudden it was like this this all this pain around failures in my life, like, oh my I'm a failure because I couldn't make my marriage work, my first marriage or my second marriage, actually, both the marriages. Mm-hmm. I'm a failure because um, you know, I couldn't keep my dad alive longer. Like I'm a failure because I didn't publish this book that I spent two years working on all kinds of shit. There's about six things that I have pain around failure. And even that one little stupid little thing, just because I was exhausted and I didn't listen to my body, I'm in the car and I get hit with this shame shit storm. And the next thing I know, I'm like crying for 45 minutes on the road. The truckers are giving me weird looks because mm-hmm. I'm just like ugly sobbing and all that. But you know what? It was super good because it was like, it just like, I like got to like digest it all. And I got to break it all down in my mind. Like, okay, obviously I'm not a failure because of all these things. And Uh, I got to talk myself through it all, but it's so weird how that, how, how like the smallest little unexpected thing can reveal inner pain that we're still carrying around. Is that totally, totally. And like, I don't mean to like jump into the therapist chair. Yeah. But no, do it. How, how much would you say that like putting your self care first was like the biggest tripwire on all that shame? Yeah. Because you're like, I have to take care of myself. Ah, I'm supposed to be last. Who yeah. do you think you are taking care of yourself first, listening to your body? I know you're so right too, because I feel like we, we don't, especially as Mm -hmm. mothers, people who are recovering from, from like these, these things that we're recovering from, it's not just recovering from the drinking, it's recovering from a lot of stuff, including putting ourselves last forever. Totally. Totally. So I'm kind of a recovering codependent. Yeah. Um, I am, man. As soon as I figured out like what codependence really is and like the deep, the little details of how it manifests itself and yeah, the damage that it does, like we should put that in our boundaries con- uh, conversation sometime. Um, do you anyway, feel like, like, do you feel like um, what's codependency to you? So when I asked that to my therapist, I was like, am I a codependent? What's codependence? And he's like, well, codependence is when you try to control the situation or control others in order to manage what makes you uncomfortable. Oh, so for example, totally not um, what I thought codependence. I know it's not what, cause you think, Oh, I'm just like overly dependent on someone else. Like I can't yeah. make a decision. I can't go anywhere without them. No, no. It means your comfort and your like emotional, like, uh, chill is dependent on other people's emotional chill so Mm. a lot of times like other people's anger makes you really uncomfortable Mm. and so what you do is um, you put yourself last and you go around and you take care of everybody else Mm. and then when all that's done then you take care of yourself I can you ever get all that other stuff right yeah and 
what I used to do and what a lot of codependents do is they scramble ahead on the path. You're, you know, you're on a path with somebody, they scurry ahead and they hustle and they try to arrange everything just so, so that their partner or whoever it is they're with, um, doesn't run into any challenges or obstacles Mm -hmm. because their discomfort makes you severely uncomfortable because it triggers shame in you that you failed. And also that they're going to, there's some kind of a self, a lack of like self-awareness boundaries and just self-esteem that you can't go and that you tend to take responsibility for other people's feelings Mm -hmm. instead Mm -hmm. of saying, well, Travel makes you a little chaotic and you tend to get a little snappy. That's on you, brah. <laughs> Instead, I used to go, well, well, here's some sandwiches and I, I already called ahead and I don't know what's wrong. Like I would just scramble yes. to try to make sure my husband didn't ever. And he's like, he's a fucking redhead, people. He's got a <laughs> short fuse no matter what. Class. So and that's a thing. The, the, uh, the yeah, the devil's red hair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think so. I just love redheads, but I, I he's got a he's got a short fuse. And I used to take responsibility for that short mm-hmm. fuse. Mm-hmm. And so I when when my therapist like broke that down for me, I was just like, whoa, you know, and he's like, You're invited to just ima- like put on an imaginary like suit of armor. And in any situation when something starts to come up and you start to feel yourself, he, you know, if he goes, Where's the ketchup? And you feel yourself getting up to go get it out of the fridge. It's right here. How come this <laughs> knife isn't sharp? Oh, I'll go sharpen it. <laughs> you put on a little piece of armor and you go, what would happen if I just stayed still and stayed yeah. quiet and let him figure that out? You have this tendency to solve other people's problems. Yeah. You're kind of obsessed with other people's experience. You're, they tend to be really judgy. Mm. I can't believe she doesn't have socks on her kid. Okay. (laughs) And they tend to be really worried about what other people think of them. Oh, interesting, man. That's kind of blowing my mind. Yeah. And so like, if you can just try to like get inside your own mind and be a lot more self-aware and a lot less consumed with what other people are doing, feeling, thinking, then you can try to like break free from codependence. And that's something that I've been doing. And so, um, the whole like putting your self-care last when you told that story it really was a big one and then um one of the big ones with codependence is mistakes trigger shame is what mistakes trigger shame oh yeah and and um with me uh in my line of work I kind of fell into this line of work I wasn't I didn't go to school for it I didn't get trained for it I'm Sometimes yeah, you inherited I, it from your dad, right? I inherited it from my dad and I just sort of took it on. And, you know, I've, I've learned a lot. I, I'm certified. I have letters after my name. I'm working on getting bigger letters after my name, but sometimes, you know, a lot of times I work in the field with these like construction workers that install that work on construction job sites their whole life. And they're like, Oh, you know what we need? This is like a quarter inch off. And I used to be like, I'm a terrible person. I'm such a newbie. I'm such an amateur. I'm just this little girl walking around, you know? And now I'm like, well, bro, like, isn't there, surely there's something out there that you can use as a filler. And also 
I can only increase that by three inches. So us losing a quarter inch is a lot better than it being two, two and three quarters too big, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and I'm learning through my practice of codependence, through yeah. my like totally conscious recovery to be like, I can stand on my own two feet. I don't have to take yeah. responsibility for what, if you think I'm too small. Right, right, right. And, so. and it's like, I, I think that's great that, I mean, I feel like we're all learning, even if you are an expert in your field, you're still learning because there's always new developments and ways that are done in any ways things are done in any industry. I feel like, yep. I, I mean, I, I find I am super proud of my own humility and it sounds like you too, with just being mm -hmm. able to be like, okay with what your knowledge uh, level is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, people sometimes ask me for advice and I have to be like, look, here's where I am knowledge wise. You, if you need this, you need somebody else, you know, I have so much respect for those people mm -hmm. because I would, I would so much rather be the person that's like, you know, I don't really know. I can totally look it up, but yeah. that sounds like a great, instead of the person who's just like full of hubris, yeah. who just what my mother-in-law used to call male answer syndrome. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> where they just like come up with an answer even if they don't have one even if it's not and you can, you can hear it too when the answer is bullshit it is just talking it's like filler it's like yeah oh bruh you're talking in a circle like i <laughs> let's uh, brevity is the byproduct of vigor like let's get to it i don't have a whole lot of time i know you fucking fill this room with hot air well and do you feel like i don't know where I think the tricky thing is with both of our types of work, sometimes you don't know what the problems are going to be when you launch into a project, like, yeah. because it's, there's so many variables and, and you, and you end up in these situations where now you've got to solve a problem that's maybe beyond you. And maybe that's not how you feel, but like in my yeah, case, I, you know, I'm designing websites. There's a whole fuck ton of information. I don't know because I'm not a code nerd. And mm -hmm, so people mm -hmm. will ask me, they'll think I can just wave a magic wand and put their shit wherever. And then mm -hmm. I have to be like, Hey, look, I think maybe I can find a solution, but I'm not a code developer. So mm -hmm, I'm going to mm -hmm. need to get some nerds in on this, you know? Mm -hmm, and then totally. I just cross my fingers and hope for the best. Totally. Totally. And you're, I feel like we're always learning. Like I personally, mm -hmm. I feel like I do have my 10,000 hours, mm -hmm. um, but there's always new problems and things are the, the face of the industry is always changing. Yeah. You yeah, know, sure. and also like, it's a lot of layman's asking for things. So they don't really understand what goes into that, like sliding picture model that they see on all those fancy websites. Oh, I know. Yeah. You know, exactly. that they're like, can you do this? And you're like, well, that's a $10,000 P you know, whatever. Yeah, for sure. There people don't know. They don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had to do this. This is just a quick thing, but I had jump to... in, jump in. Let's do some vignettes. Get no, I was just going to say that somebody, I was replicating somebody's website and they had to have something exactly like their old website. And even though it was designed on a completely different platform and I'm trying to communicate this, like, yes, I can replicate this, but it's not going to be a hundred percent because it's on a different platform, man. Mm -hmm. That's WordPress is a Squarespace, totally different shit. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, it was a simple little fucking scrolling logo thing. And, and I'm thinking like, how hard can this be? <laughs> I had to get on the phone with like, like a code nerd 
from across the world just to get in the and like the the code was like you know 30 lines deep and i'm like oh shit there's no way i would have been able to figure that out but at mm -hmm. least i know now it's also and now like, you know yeah now i know that i've got this guy that whenever shit is beyond me i can just be like hey hey here's this mm -hmm. job for you because mm -hmm. right like I mean, we, you work smarter, not harder all the time. Sometimes you just get people who know what you don't know and you bring them into the table, you know, otherwise, like, because I was like digging around the internet, like, oh, gotta find it. <laughs> I'm not good enough. And yeah. It's like, I'm just going to ask for help. And now I have a new friend. That's a total yeah, resource. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Okay. I got a vignette. That's like a triumph from my uh, mistake, trigger, shame um we're remodeling this kitchen and it's like this tiny little old old house and like first we did the wall cabinets she wanted to do it in phases so first we did the wall cabinets put those in a couple months later we do the base cabinets and the dude that's her like installer because all these days you kind of have to all a cart sometimes your remodels you can't mm. just get a general contractor and he can just like come to your house for three weeks at a time like right. the industry is going nuts right now and everybody's just like piecemealing together what they can get so she's got oh, this guy that the, installed cabinets. the demand being so high mm -hmm. for labor. Mm -hmm. yeah God. everybody's got so much bigger jobs going on and just there's a shortage of skilled labor all that stuff mm. um so this guy's installing the cabinets and like the floor's a little wonky and um something happened with like the sink that she ordered somehow i had the wrong specs for the sink and i had to order a cabinet that fit the sink but then the sink that arrived is a different one and they're like this has always been the one and <laughs> it just so happens that the dude that's doing the cabinet install his wife is a kitchen designer and his uh -huh. wife is the one that sold the sink to the homeowner but i sold her the cabinets and i just had like about I don't know like 26 minutes of like such shame that I got <laughs> like this wrong you, you time it on your Apple 26.25 seconds yes entering shame spiral yes I know <laughs> we should we and, should all carry a little like click kick like because it was just like early in the morning and he's like can you come over and look at something and i hate those fucking calls it's like can't you just say hey we need to talk about the sink can yeah, you come right. over it's like can you come over and look at something it's like okay sure i'll obsess all the way over and it's this sink it doesn't fit and like for some reason like it's his wife's sink and like she's a kitchen designer too and i was just like she probably thinks that i am a space cadet like just flighty you know immature amateur kitchen designer and i don't know what i'm doing it's such a rookie mistake to mm -hmm. get the sink cabinet wrong like i used to do i've eaten my fair share of sink based cabinets mm -hmm. and i just was like stop fucking caring yeah what she who cares yeah <laughs> who cares mistake, if she thinks right? you're an amateur because what's she ever what are you doing depending on her to give you give recommendations like who cares and yeah, it's a sink yeah. and i like went back there and i took some deep breaths i was like so can't you guys like frankenstein this cabinet and get three more inches out of it like i'll order different doors i'll send you a new filler like mm -hmm. can't, i mean come on like can't you yeah. just make it work like can't we just tim gun this thing tim and we did <laughs> we totally made it work but i was just like i was conscious that i was feeling really ashamed that she probably knew more than me and that she yeah. sees this mistake 
Right. And I was just like, I don't think that what she thinks about me actually affects like my living, breathing self. And she probably didn't even think anything. And even if she did, she probably thought, I mean, uh, who knows? She could have been an epic cunt. And then maybe she was yeah. like, oh, this woman doesn't know what she's doing. Or she might have been like, oh, she might have gotten Done that in there, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's the thing. But it, it's it is it's like self-inflicted wounds. We're punching mm-hmm. into our chest when we work. Totally. Stuff and it's so and hard. I thought too, I was like, I know that mistakes trigger shame. And mm-hmm. I was trying to like have that in my headlights and be like, hey, you know, like mistakes are triggering shame right now. Like, mm-hmm. go ahead, observe it. Yeah. But after 26 minutes, move on with your day. Do not exactly. let it eat your day. Do not let it eat you alive because it's not gonna do any good. Right. Whereas like, don't you feel like when shit got hard and work before during, at least for me, when shit got hard and I was drinking, I almost put a steel trap around the emotion until I got home, uncorked the wine and just drank it away. Like that was how I coped, you know, Totally. whereas now it's like, okay, this feels painful. I can see it from all sides. I I can see my, everything in my periphery, in my little driver's ed sphere, shit might hit me right now, but it's going to be okay. It's just a ding. It'll be fine. You know, I mean, you know, it's, it's all, I can do hard things. It's, it's so, it's really mind blowing to me sometimes. Like whenever I sit back and really think about how much I'm learning about myself, how much I've learned in just this last span of sobriety, I'm kind of blown away because there was just so much I didn't know and was burying. And, and maybe that's in part too, because I drank all through my twenties and thirties where I was still, you know, could have been learning about myself, but wasn't really forced to, to crack open any things. I didn't have like everything that I'm facing now is really hard and painful sometimes Mm -hmm. because they're old things that I buried for so long, but at least, at least I'm recovering from them. And at least Mm -hmm. I'm moving on. Like, even just that shame shit storm that I was in, I was like, okay, I feel like I healed from that weird, you know? So maybe, maybe I won't ever feel as much like a failure as I did just from that one thing. It's weird. Also, do you, what are your vulnerabilities still? Do you feel like in sobriety, like, um, since you've gotten sober, things that you notice are, um, make you vulnerable, like, like you just said, mistakes, maybe triggering shame. Are there other vulnerabilities that you can see really clearly now in sobriety? Well, I feel like before I answer that, I have to go back to what you said, because it's like all through our twenties, we drank away our ability to learn coping skills. Right. Like, I feel like every like obstacle is an opportunity Mm. to learn about yourself and try to like pick yourself up. And like, I don't know if like thick skin is the right, like analogy, you know, Mm -hmm. but like being able to know that you can handle things and survive them instead of just escape them through that bottle. And, and now, just like you said, like you, I feel like we can like handle things that come at us, process it in a healthy way. Um, and then also like, be able to learn from it and be better for it. Yeah, for sure. You know, and we didn't really get to practice flexing that muscle and grow it or whatever through our twenties. And now we're doing it and just makes me think about people who I got some people in my life who, who are like, I hate this. This is so hard. Oh, sobriety. 
No, just life thing. Oh, people life. Who are, people who are still drinkers. Oh, who yeah. are like, the, the work is really hard. Like what I'm doing <laughs> right now is so hard. This is really yeah. stressful. And it's like, yeah, well, it's more stressful because you keep running away from it. Yeah, 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 for if sure. You turn around and face it. You'll be stronger. Yeah. You know? True. So, okay. Vulnerability is vulnerability. It's weird. Like, I feel like I'm less like uh, delicate and sensitive and, you know, emotionally wishy-washy, but also more vulnerable because I'm more secure and confident in just being emotionally honest and Mm. just like coming, coming for real, you know, coming straight with stuff. Yeah. What about you? I mean, I've, I've had, I just noticed them. So I'm fresh off the vulnerability train because I got myself overworked, overtired, and then I felt sick and then shame shit storms. And then like, mm-hmm. so the vulnerabilities are fresh in my mind. Cause I was feeling them lately, but I mean, I, I felt pretty secure in my sobriety, but I'm still aware that like fatigue is a huge vulnerability for me. Mm-hmm. Like if I get out of like triggers. Like, I don't, it's not even booze triggering. It's just, it's just like, I, anytime I get tired, I'm more vulnerable to these, um, to these, you know, like, like, like weakening, weakening, right. Like I'll start to think negatively about myself, which then triggers the desire to drink. But I'm, I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't get to the desire to drink really as much anymore. Like, because. I can stave that off. But what I am noticing is like all the other shit that I never noticed before, almost like it's slowed down in my mind. Like I can see when I'm tired. Also, I didn't know that I've kind of gotten into a routine. Like I've like, I've got COVID slowed our lives down in a lot of ways. And like, I'm, I'm like, I exercise, I meditate. I kind of have a little routine in my morning. I have little morning rituals that I do. I'm not like, I'm not like so sucked into them that if I skip some days, like sometimes I don't meditate and I don't even think twice about it, but I do notice that like, if I'm traveling or something else, I like, I'll be out of my element and I'll feel just a little bit off. And then I'll like, if I, and something will just trigger me to think a bad thought, like, oh, maybe this person isn't having fun with me. Or maybe my Mm -hmm. daughter is, she's, they seem like they're in a mood and maybe, maybe something's wrong and they're not telling me. And I, that worries switch once it's mm-hmm. on man whoo like so i mean i meditate and i exercise and all these things to temper the overthinking in my mind which works for those of you overthinkers out there yeah but it doesn't completely change who you are and so like i just have a tendency to like ruminate and uh you know dissect every little thing codependent all mm-hmm. those things mm-hmm. so it's like yep Yeah. So I, what I've noticed is that like, if I'm out of my element or I'm really tired or if I'm really overworked, then something like what you experienced with your kitchen interaction or anything in my client, it'll like, it'll make me more vulnerable and I'll start to take it personally is my point. Takes things personally. Yeah. That's it. That's another thing on that codependent, uh, infographic. Like, yep. And so then it's like, oh, wow. Okay. I got to protect myself a little bit here. And I got to do some more self-talk to like remind myself that things are okay. And it's like, even with, even what we're talking about, the accessibility of technology and feeling compelled to respond to people. Yeah. Sometimes like if people are like constantly like 
you know, cause you get these clients, if you're in the middle of a project, right. You're got a lot of back and forth. And totally. So, so it's like, that's exhausting as it is. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, there's even worries that come into play with that. Like, am I, you know, like somebody doesn't get, if some, if I realize somebody's emailed me an hour ago, I'm like, oh shit, got to respond. You know? I know, like, I know. It's I know. weird. Yeah. Well, I kind of feel like self-care, like I'm going to be brutally honest. I hope I don't get too much like hate email, but I feel like sometimes self-care it feels so annoying when people are like, you have to do self-care. Like, this is my stupid fucking morning routine. I yeah. get up, I journal, I drink my lemon water, and then <laughs> I filter my coffee. And I'm just like, you, like, I just feel like they're, I don't know, self-indulgent, kind of like basic. But maybe that's the codependent in me who who doesn't value self-care, who puts myself last, you know, right. because when you do come up with a good self-care routine and you do make time to step away and like, I have small children. <laughs> and so the line for me, self-care is an in here. Yeah. It's like a really blurry, yeah. vague place, you know, and my kids are getting a little bit older and a little bit more independent. And there is value in being able to go this is important enough yeah and sure. when you do that you keep your cup filled up and you can manage and you can be better you can be a better employee to yourself <laughs> and you well, can be a better whatever don't you feel like i don't know sometimes i think if self-care sometimes feels really great and other times it feels like shit because mm -hmm. sometimes like a routine is a routine is a routine. And like, if you do meditating and, 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 uh, you know, working out, you could have the best self-care plan on the planet, right out of mm -hmm. the goop, mm -hmm. Holly Whitaker totally. handbook. And even at that, you know, we're creatures, even though we're creatures of habit, sometimes if you do something long enough, you start to resent it, especially if it's a huge change from what you were normally doing. And, you feel like you have to do it because anything that you feel like you have to do, like, Oh, I got to do all these things because this is what's, you know, I need to do to keep me mm -hmm. sober. Like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't agree with that at all. Sometimes you just have to take a break from the shit that you feel like you need to do even just so yeah. that you appreciate the meditating and all that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it kind of comes down for me, like that whole, that shit talking I just did about self-care sometimes when I'm doing it I just feel so like overprivileged I think about people who don't have clean water yeah yeah for sure and I'm just like seriously like you you know like it's that it's that but you kind of can't do that it, it, there's always going to be some terrible you know thing in the world and mm -hmm. you like you do have to take care of yourself you do and like well, I, yeah. I think your sobriety I think for me, my sobriety needs to come first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, and it depends on what, so you bring up a great point, right? Because for each person, we're all so different. Um, there are all kinds of strategies that keep people sober. Like my partner doesn't like to talk about, I mean, he will get into great conversations, really meaningful conversations around our sobriety and what it means mm -hmm. to us and everything else going back to the old days of drinking, like, do you remember how hungover we were on those hikes? Yeah, God, we were idiots, you know? Yep. 
Yep. Like we'll be doing hikes. Man, this seems easy now because we were fucking on over all the time. You know? God. But but the thing is, he doesn't he doesn't get out of it. He prefers, is what I'm saying, to just be done with drinking and move on. He doesn't want to think about it. He doesn't want to sit there and over talk it. He just mm-hmm. wants to be done with it and move on. Like that's it. He, he wants it to just like shrink in his rearview mirror. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And for some of us, like it's really helpful and cathartic to talk about the things because we're like, he doesn't have any of that shame shit storm stuff. Like when I was telling him about the shame shit storm, he was like, that's so weird. I've never experienced that. And I'm like, yeah, what? Yeah. You know, that's because he's not a mother. Well, and the thing is, ooh, one thing though. So I was listening to a Brene Brown uh, podcast with her and Dax Shepard, which just came out not that long ago because she has a new book out. Anyway, she was talking about how a lot of times we get our shame from like our parents or our modeling because like when parents do this and they'll say to their kid, like what you did was really stupid or that thing you did was really stupid. You could have burned the whole house down. That's like, that's one thing. But if you turn to the kid and say, how stupid are you? Or something like that. It's completely different because you're attaching the stupidity and the shame to that person. Like you're stupid, Uh you're bad versus Mm -hmm. that thing you did, that action you just took was dumb totally separate because you've separated the action from who they are. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so as adults, like we, you know, I think personally, like my parents, for instance, did a lot of that modeling, told me that I was bad, like stupid, all those things. Oh yeah, I remember all those things. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he experienced that. So that is like, to me, like, that's like the difference. Like, and I'm, yeah. And that's the shit you're unpacking. Yes, exactly. And so for me, it's really helpful to like, talk to you and and anybody else who I'm engaged with in recovery because it's I'm recovering from a whole lot of shit I didn't even know I was packed up you know totally. but for him like he's happy to just so I think we deal with it all in so many different ways you know yep and I think like in sobriety in recovery like getting to a place where you can like unpack things mm-hmm. like my mom is kind of a raging flaming codependent like <laughs> she where just, you got that from then. yeah and, and it's funny because when she's here I I see it mm-hmm. and I see it it tries to kind of bubble up in me mm-hmm. yeah and it's just <laughs> it's 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 a weird thing I feel like I see it really clearly and every time I'm just like I can't change her yeah, but it might, and who knows, it might take you a long time to like, to fully recover from all that, but that's okay. Cause it's like, yeah. you know, your chances are you're not going back to drinking. And so you have the no. chance to like, just take your time to recover from this on your own terms. Yeah, totally. 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 That's the biggest <sighs> thing I feel like is this feeling of like, patience and kind of peace with myself now that I've kind of decided or come to terms with like that I'm not going back to drinking now I feel like this tremendous relief like I've got the rest of my life to figure this stuff out however long I totally and I'm not pressure myself I don't need to arrive to any specific um, destination by any specific time I'm just gonna I'm gonna explore these things as they come at me and try to learn and that's it I know. 
I know. And like, as annoying as those little tiles are that say like, I am enough. Like when you, <laughs> when you like actually get to a point. I thought they were like rocks that people carried around. All kinds of shit. A necklace, dog tag, keychain. I don't know. But like when you can actually get to a point where you can truly realize that you really are enough, if you can really, really understand it, it's so profound. Yeah. And I feel like that is probably the greatest gift of sobriety for me is this like really solid sense of self-worth yeah, and like just self-actualization and ability to just know that, well, I'm here and this is what you get and I'm working on it and I am good enough. Like, yeah. It, for sure. It's like way more than just like a cheeky tile at a fucking wine shop. <laughs> at a at a cost plus world market or yeah, exactly. barn or any of those. Farmers, farmers market. Yes, it's true. Yeah. And like sometimes I do get tempted by alcohol. Like I like I do talk a big game and I love my sobriety, but there's times when it does try to creep into my mind just like yeah. oh it just looks so good right now and um like when i was getting ready for that black tie event mm-hmm. i just like wanted a glass there was a bottle of champagne in the refrigerator because my aunt was there and she was a big drinker and and i was just like my other aunt my like uncle's wife not my I got a lot of aunts and uncles and it was just like kind of calling to me as I was like yeah. putting on my makeup. I was like sitting in front of this pretty vanity in this big rented house that we were in. And I was what was it my saying? Sarah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, it just, and I realized that I actually wanted it like first as a prop mm-hmm. more than I wanted to feel buzzed or get drunk or taste it or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just felt like it, I wanted it like as a prop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I want to fit in. I want to be like, no, I, I was alone. That. I was alone. Oh. I was alone. It was like just something that I always associated with yeah. always getting ready for a big event. Yeah. And yeah. it was just this thing that kind of was like missing from my like makeup counter or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I realized that and whatever, I didn't drink, but I was trying to be observant about how it was calling to me and when and why. And Whenever his stuff calls to me, I'm always like, but sobriety, like you have this sense of self-worth that you yeah. do not have when you're drinking. And that is worth everything. It's worth oh, yeah. everything. So Well, and I don't know how many of the people that you talk to, if any of them, if anybody you know has slipped or fallen off or struggled, but I know somebody who has, who slipped and, and is still struggling months later. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, and it's interesting to watch. Um, you know, I'm there to support them. I'm going to be their friend no matter what. Um, yeah. but it is really, it's, it is really poignant for me to watch because I, I think like the narrative in your mind totally shifts. And I just know that would be my case as well. Like, because yeah. we have so much momentum that we've yep. built up you know, like, I mean, do you think in those moments, like, I, cause I, I spend a lot of time traveling alone. So there's plenty of thoughts that are like, no one would know. <laughs> exactly. Boom. 
But, but I mean, I don't even want, I don't, I personally, the thing that keeps me from that is knowing that I would lose my momentum and then it would become like a two week event. I would always want to come back to sobriety. I would always want that, but it would take me a long time. I know that. Yeah, and that because would be you could, you can always be like, I'll just start tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'll just start tomorrow. I mean, what's one more day? I've already lost exactly. all these days I have. What's, that's, that's exactly what would happen to me. Yeah, I would totally be like, I'll just start tomorrow. And then I'd be like, I'm going to go out with a bang. Yeah, exactly. I'm exactly. starting tomorrow. And then tomorrow would come. I'm like, oh, but it's like Dr. Seuss day. I'm going to go out with a bang. Like I can find any reason. I know that's the thing. And just and even just thinking that through, even just talking that out. It's so exhaustive to me just being in that moment and being completely just defeated by all that damn i just know i mean shit i have to recognize that if i got shame from turning around on a stupid road trip what kind of shame would i just unleash it would be like the shining you know where the blood wall comes around the corner it would be a tidal wave of shame and the dead girl comes out of the bathroom (laughs) I'd, i'd be seeing the two little twins and they'd be like come play with me in this horrible mm-hmm. afterlife of shame built for you yep even yep. though and i'm sure i have i mean and it's weird because i tell myself things like i'm sure i would get out of it but who knows we don't know like i don't know, I know. if my friend's ever gonna sober up again who knows maybe she'll you know stay it could take her a long time who knows so, so one of the other things that really does keep me sober is thinking about getting sober because for those first like 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, first fucking 10 minutes, first yeah. three hours, Hard. I felt like I was climbing out of a pit. Yeah. I felt like there was like these demon, these hands grabbing <laughs> me, trying to pull me back in. Um, it like, like, have you ever seen that movie? What dreams may come. Oh, I mean, yes. Williams it's been a long Cuba time, but I know what you mean. Yes. When he's like in that, sea of people all those heads and they're like trying to grab he's like down and he like went to hell to go get his wife yeah and they're like dragging him dragging him dragging him and it's like that's exactly what it felt like it felt like there was so much like sticky energy trying to pull me back in and go I'll just start tomorrow exactly you have to climb climb out and it's up to you you have to want it more than anything it's true. Yeah. More than anything. There's nothing. There's absolutely nothing that can get anyone sober. And I know it because I've tried to think of ways to get people in my life sober. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I thought one time about writing someone a huge check. <laughs> like, if you can stay sober for this many days, you can have all this money. And it's like, what the fuck are you thinking? Yeah. Like, no one's yeah. no one's that's not enough that would never have been enough to get me sober i would have yeah. just been like cool only 69 more days left you know <laughs> 69 like, days and 37 minutes yeah <laughs> exactly because it's the battle of your life yeah and you have to want it more than anything yeah for sure and there's like such riches you know to be gained oh yeah. you have to want it more than anything and i somebody on ias said um i know i have one more drink in me but i don't know if i have one more sober in me it's true yeah i i agree a hundred percent and and i'm 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 it's amazing how too and if anybody's listening to this and maybe they're they're still feeling like 
damn it, when am I going to turn this corner? Like, I feel like I didn't really turn the corner of acceptance. Like mm -hmm. I'm not drinking again till about like the 14th month. And that's seriously. When I, yeah. Okay. Because, wow. Because I mean, I had this in my mind of, okay, I'm, I'm not drinking now, but I do think that I still had this, this part of me that was feeling like, well, you just need to recover from your bad habit. And then you'll, you'll now, because what I was telling myself, some part of myself was telling myself, um, now that you've learned everything that you've learned, you would never go back to the abusive drinking you were doing because you've yeah. learned so much. Yeah. Now you'd be able to moderate with all the information you have. But I realized that's bullshit. And that's just oh. maybe my, um, that's my fear and my vulnerability of the future of not knowing what it's like to, to never have that crutch again, to not be able to cope fear of the unknown dealing with the shame shit storms all without that. I think those are just some subconscious fears that were there. And my brain was just like, um, you know, still thinking that I would at some point return to that, but I feel like I've fully accepted or am starting to fully accept as much as we can in our baby infancy of sobriety. Like, yeah, I feel like as, as I feel like I have started the process of fully accepting that I will never drink again. And that wasn't the case even just like three months ago, I was, That's I was awesome. like doing it, but I was thinking like somewhere in the back of my mind, I was like, but I mean, maybe vacation one time and then you just jump back yeah. on. It'll be fine. You know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember when I very first quit, I was like afraid that I would go back to drinking. And so I didn't tell anybody that I had quit yeah. drinking. And even if I did, I just said it was like for this thing I'm trying out mm -hmm. so that I could save the spot for myself to fail without looking yeah. like a failure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I don't mean to sound like a straight A driver's ed student. It's like the <laughs> only you are. A, like the only A I think I got. <laughs> Maybe AP English. Um, but like when I read Annie Grace's This Naked Mind, mm -hmm. I didn't plan. When I quit drinking, I was like, I'm just gonna win this fight with my husband that I had last week, yeah, last night. Like I'm gonna get ahead of this fight. And then I just picked up that book on like day three. And that book really helped me. Like it turned the corner for me. Like, let's yeah. talk, let's like, how, how much time do we have? Do we have time to talk about turning the corner? Yeah. About, like the pink let's cloud. Talk. Yes, we can totally do it. Like turning the corner. I feel like there's a lot of questions like on IAS where people are like, when is this going to get easy? When does it get better? And it's like, brah, if you want to be somebody else, change your mind. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Like it gets easy when you decide to stop fighting it. Yes, that is the point. And that's the thing, too. Don't you feel like some people have one corner to turn? But I had like fucking 1700 corners, like because I was like fighting it still in my mind. And so I'd like go a little farther and then my brain would kind of shift. And so I yeah, I think it is as hard as you decide it's going to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this. We talked about commitment versus willpower and like. Right. Maybe this isn't for everybody, but I read that Annie Grace book and the way that she laid things out about the way our brains work, the way our brains have in have interpreted information and what what truths we hold self-evident and the mm -hmm. way she just dissected them and like was like, that's not a truth. That's just what they sold you with sparkles, yeah. you know? I just was like, it's fake. It's all a lie. I've been duped. 
Yeah. And then every time I see it, I'm like, it's fake. It's a lie. I've been duped. Like, don't yeah. fall for it. Don't fall for it. Because all it's going to do is just twist up your reality. Right. And I think like, okay, so weaving in shame only because Brene Brown oh, talks about shame resilience and shame tolerance and how you, how like we all get shame, but over time we develop shame tolerance. So that like, so maybe the next time I fail at something, I won't go through the shit storm. I will feel the shame coming on and I might be able to mentally, emotionally avert it because I'll feel it and I'll be able to remind myself that I'm not a failure and this, that, and the other. But like, totally. I feel like in sobriety, there's, there's tolerance to these things that, that like, as you realize and you start to educate yourself that we have been duped by an industry that makes billions of dollars every year and mm -hmm. selling us that this is like a socially acceptable um, treat that we all get to enjoy mm -hmm. and that is part of our lives and is now necessary. Normalized. Yeah. It's necessary to have with your eggs Benedict mm -hmm. at this trendy mm -hmm. restaurant because mm -hmm. that's what they're selling you. Once you see through the bullshit um, you can have more tolerance to like these cravings and all these other things that come in your way and you're, and you build that up over time. But mm -hmm. I mean, for a while in the beginning, especially as you're just, maybe if it isn't fully cemented, if you don't believe, if your subconscious doesn't believe that you are being duped and you're, and you're still listening to the friend who's like, but I mean, just one for breakfast. I mean, you're on vacation for fuck's sake. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. if you still, if you still believe that alcohol is for you and that it's harmless and that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't pose any risk. It's a key to fun. You'll keep, you'll keep drinking it. You know, yep. you really will. It takes time though, for it, for your brain to believe this. And so yeah. that I think is a part of it too. Like, I mean, sounds like you believed it pretty quick. My brain was like, I don't know, poison. Come on. We've all been drinking poison for so long. What do you mean? I didn't believe the poison argument at first. I'm not going to lie, but I do now. But I just really quick sink in that thing that you said about shame, resilience and shame tolerance. Mm -hmm. I feel like you can't get that when you're drinking. Yeah, mm -hmm. you can't. You cannot have a sphere of awareness about your shame if you're fucking drunk, because yeah. because I just wrote this down. This is I, I got a profound aha moment. <laughs> I think that sobriety helps you take like shame or guilt or even just mistakes anything that's a factor of life people come on you know mm -hmm. we make mistakes it helps you take it from a victim mentality to a teachable moment yeah 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 that's true as teachers we used to we used to try to find teachable moments you know like you're mm -hmm. teaching the kids this like complex math formula but outside the window there's a nest of baby birds hatching you quit that math for all that math lesson right now. And you go over there and you quietly <laughs> observe a miracle happening. Yeah, and I feel like sobriety is the ability to go. What's that over there? Yeah. That's, you know, <laughs> go, what, what's this I'm feeling? And, and be feel able to shame like, egg hatching. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, instead of just like wearing it and being immersed in it and like drowning in it, it's something that you can actually like hold in your hand and observe and go, huh what does this look feel smell tell taste like 
I have right. observed my baby bird of shame and it looks like something out of Jurassic Park. It's covered in goo. It's yeah. got like yeah. red eyes. It's got scales. My shame is but ugly. It hatched and you were <laughs> able to hold it out and let it fly away. <laughs> oh man, I know. It's we're good with analogies. Dude. We, should, <laughs> we should call this the analogy. We could do body. this all day. <laughs> we're, we're the analogy baddies. Sober's like a side byproduct <laughs> oh man i know it feels good though to be able to be at this point and still have awe over the process you know like mm -hmm. i just thought you know i was gonna get sober and then life was gonna be boring and that was gonna be like i was gonna be on my coffin here lies elaine or my tombstone here lies mm -hmm. elaine she got old and sober and boring but to me so I'm, boring. I'm like living my life now look at all these things that i feel like alive and awake for the first time and so much you know and it feels oh my god it really does it's not such be, a fucking not miracle to out and be like it's amazing it's a miracle but it really is it is and that's why i want to talk about the pink cloud mm -hmm. because i feel i'm almost two years sober okay we baby yeah. Uh, do you, did you know that uh, Pete Davidson and Miley Cyrus have matching tattoos that say we babies? Oh. And I, I think we should get those tattoos later. <laughs> okay, maybe. <laughs> like, first of all, I want to have a matching tattoo with Pete Davidson. <laughs> and second of all, I'll I want to have a matching tattoo with tattoo you. With you. Pete Davidson. Jesus. <laughs> with you and also like I think that when you continue, I don't know why, what theirs means. I don't know. I, they were probably not sober when they decided the meaning of that. But for us, it's like for us to continue to have humility about our sober wisdom and our sober journey, mm -hmm. I think brings us um, just to a place of just gratitude and curiosity, yeah, which sure. makes it continue to be a miracle. And yeah. I don't mean to be like a hot shot booger snot out here, but <laughs> <laughs> sobriety like continues to be a miracle for me every day. Like yeah. every day is such a miracle. And I, I, I see so much light, so much joy. There's gifts every day. I see potentially people clicking end on this conversation because <laughs> we're we just like inflated the our usual pink cloud to us. Yeah. Like somebody's listening to this and they've just reset and they're like, fuck you guys. It's not a miracle. Come Click. on. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking unicorns farting <laughs> glitter, please. No, but, and I mean, I'm grateful for it though, because I felt so shitty for so long. It <sighs> feels, it does feel amazing to feel. Good. I felt like a victim. I felt like a failure. I felt full of shame at every turn yeah for sure and this pink cloud thing that people speak of what the way i understand it is that when you first quit drinking you have a team of cheerleaders around you that are going good job you can do this all right you made five days you made 15 days you got 50 days Woohoo! doesn't yeah. it feel good and then that kind of fades away and your life goes back to being kind of stressful maybe monotonous sometimes tedious Mm -hmm. you know often obscure vague whatnot so on and so forth and and so this like magic like cheerleading like this pink cloud on which you were floating life goes back to normal but for me like i guess i am my own cheerleading squad yeah. 
That's what and I was going to say. It sounds like you're saying that the pink cloud um, doesn't have to disappear and yeah. it can be, and it can be your own, like, yeah, it's your own um, gratitude. I think that keeps you elevated. Uh, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think that if you really have gratitude, like at the forefront mm -hmm. of, you know, like, I don't, I don't mean to sound like I like have my head up my yoga pants ass, <laughs> but I really do feel like if you have gratitude, like at the forefront of everything you do, like it turns what you have into enough. Yeah, no, I agree totally. And like, this sounds, I don't know if we want to share stupid routines, but like in the morning, Bring it. I, well, I do this little, like, so the other thing is too, for those of you meditate haters out there, if there are those listening, because I know friends who struggle to meditate and they either a feel like they don't have the time or B, it doesn't feel good to them, whatever. Um, they don't get the point. They, their mind can't calm down. Like I say, meditate for five minutes on either end of the day, sometime mm -hmm. in the morning, whenever it works, it doesn't have to be the moment you rise out of bed and you don't have to go into a perfect shrine. Like I go into my closet with a pillow and I shut the door and it's yeah. a stinky little break closet. it down. If you don't mind, will you break it down? Because I am a meditation baby. Okay. Yeah, no, but I mean, I just had a baby. Well, she's yeah. three now. <laughs> so meditation is completely foreign to me. So no, seriously, I seriously, break it down. Well, no, I think all I'm saying is for the people who don't meditate, yeah, I me. feel like they, I feel like people who don't meditate make it harder than it is. Almost like when you've never worked out before and you think like, now I got to go buy this and I got a calorie count and I got to mm -hmm. make it like exercise when people have not exercised for years and they think about losing weight, let's say they make it way bigger and then they More won't do it because mm -hmm. it's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Exercise is just getting out for a 20 minute walk. Even if that's what you're doing, that's yeah. better than nothing. I feel the same way about meditation. If okay. you get five minutes on either end of the day, when you first get like sometime in the morning, whenever it makes sense to you in a quiet space, I have noise canceling headphones that I put okay. on. Sometimes I listen to insight timer, which has guided meditations or just Zen music. I I've meditated tons. I personally feel like if you just start with five minutes, that's totally doable. And, okay. and, and what you notice is that sometimes you'll still just be thinking, you'll still just be sitting there and it's totally okay. Like you'll like, sometimes I'll be like, oh, I need to, I need to add this to a to-do list or another thought I've learned to not try to control that or be like, damn it. I can't clear Stop doing mind. it. Okay. Start over. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like I'm like, damn it. I just, I just sit there and whatever thoughts I've, I've had, I've heard a meditation coach one time say like, imagine like sticks going down a river or stream. And like, those are your thoughts. And like, one stick, you know, maybe it passes and you don't go with it. And then other sticks, like they take you way down the river and you realize you're so far down the river. And now you're like, oh, wait, I'm meditating. You know, it's uh -huh. like sometimes our thoughts take us into weird places. And when we first start meditating, we get discouraged because we feel like we don't see the benefits and we don't get it. Like I'm yeah. and I'm not sitting here in silence and I'm just thinking about how my, my, my boss is going to be pissed because I'm late because I'm meditating, you know, all those things. Yes. So, but I do find that after about 30 days of doing that, if you can start to lengthen the meditations out, like maybe, um, maybe go to 10 minutes in the morning and five minutes mm -hmm. in the evening, um, over time, 
you will start, your mind will start to quiet. And it is one of the best things in the world when your mind is so still that you, that you aren't thinking anymore. That is like what they talk about, like this inner awareness, inner self, this, um, like this higher self, like yeah. this suchness that we have that isn't our thoughts. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> like, and that's yeah. like, if, like, cause I've been reading Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. Uh, cool. Um, and so he talks about all that, like that we aren't our thoughts and feelings and everything else. We're the, the thing behind all of our thoughts. So meditation allows you to connect with that and you just feel, it makes you feel really good over time. And it also allows you to sleep better, respond to things with a more calm to over time, you know, but people mm -hmm. usually don't get that far because they feel like, um, you know, this isn't working. I'm not doing it right. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Well, so, what are you yeah. like? I do feel like I'm not doing it right because it's like, it feels like you're doing something and you're like, well, what is this supposed to look like? And so it's yeah. like, what do you go in there? Okay. Break it down. Like you get a pillow, you sit on your closet floor. Do you have anything in your hands? What do you think about? Do you, one time I read that they're like, think about a blank sheet of paper. Oh yeah. And don't let anything get on that paper. If something comes on, like, are we out of milk? How yeah. old is that chicken in the fridge? <laughs> you go, thank you. And you dismiss it. Yeah. And you try to just think about a blank square sheet of paper. And I just. And you're like, you just want to crumple the piece of paper and set it on fire. I want to fill it with things. <laughs> I want to right? make my to-do list. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. And I think we do that because we're, um, and Eckhart Tolle talks about how like overthinking and thinking in general is kind of a disease. Like mm -hmm. we don't, we don't, um, we don't oh allow God. ourselves. I'm writing that down the uh the stillness that we need and um so we tend to over associate and this ties directly to drinking if we're constantly listening to our thoughts and our emotions and our feelings and we take them as fact um you know it's it's hard when we get those thoughts that like well i should i should drink everybody else at the happy hours doing it you know um, yeah. we need to connect with something beyond our thoughts in ourselves and that's insanely important to me it's part totally. of keeping me sober but what i was going to say about the sheet of paper is that there's different strategies that people use some people think of like a still lake with like a moon and they just kind of hover on the stillness of the lake and I think the, I mean, I think if you're brand new to meditating, downloading the free version of insight timer and doing like a, a five to 10 minute try things is cool. Um, like the five, they have guided meditations on there. I personally am getting away from guided meditations cause I don't like the talking, but the guided yeah. meditations are really good in the beginning because they, if you get the right one and sometimes you gotta listen to a few to get the right one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's definitely like user uploads kind of. So some of them are yeah. really good and some of them you're like, what? Yeah. So maybe some that are like most popular, like you can tell they've been listened to like 30,000 times or something. That's probably indicative that it's pretty good. But I think that um, guided meditations are great to start with, but then over time it's just breathing and, 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 and you do, you get, this is the number one thing that I get out of meditation apart from just feeling um better like my blood pressure being lower more calm better sleep wow. less less like my wheels aren't spinning like I feel like a connection to 
um, to this part of myself that I've never connected to before. And that, and that feels really good to me. It feels like the authentic self, the self that's there in, in me that isn't polluted by all of the, all of the thinking, all of the worrying, all of the self-scrutiny, all of the shame. It's this for me that is enough, you know, dude. Boom. <laughs> there was my meditation rant. Uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> That's huge. That you cannot access mm-hmm. with a glass of wine in your hand. Yeah, exactly. And I used to think that. I used to think that wine elevated my thinking. And now I realize that it didn't like, cause I used to, there were things that I would think when I got really drunk and I was in the house by myself or like everybody had gone to sleep. Cause that was my favorite thing is I like to drink till like two in the morning when everybody else was asleep. Cause mm-hmm. that was like my personal time. But now what I recognize is that I was just, I was dying to connect with myself on some other level. And I was using booze to do that because booze would make me feel certain ways, almost like introspective kind of, but you don't even need booze to do that. All you need to do is meditate or just stop listening to yourself. I know. I know. I feel like our society is so like overstimulated and just just over like, um, like there's so much input yes. that we don't quite know what to believe anymore. And going back to that Annie Grace book, it's like some of our fundamental beliefs about ourselves and our reality are grounded in our subconscious, which are fed to us by like a major marketing, like billionaires. It's yeah. not. And so if you can find a way to imagine that still lake, that blank piece of paper, or whatever, that serene pool, like you can connect with the authentic, the actual piece of yourself. You like peel away all the fucking candy bar wrappers. Yes. It feels like that Times Square screens, you know, you can like peel that away and get to like the actual light. Yeah. Because then, then you are setting yourself up to be impervious to the marketing. Like that shit can Mm -hmm. touch you then. Yeah. You're aware of, of yourself and, and you're, you're more able to kind of put up the shield around the bullshit, you know? Totally. I feel like you're on like some like next level sobriety stuff because (laughs) when I first got sober, I felt like I was a brand new baby bird. Back to the nest analogy. I felt like I was a brand new baby bird with no feathers, no like just eyelids instead of eyeball. You know what I mean? How they are. (laughs) They can't do anything. And then after like nine months, I felt like, okay, I've got some feathers. I think I can go to my neighbor's barbecue, but it's (laughs) going to be hard. I can't quite make conversation yet. And then now it's like, I, I, I feel like I can, you know, function and leave the nest and fly around. And then now it feels like you, you're on this next level where like your authentic self is kind of this baby bird. You've, you've accessed it and mm-hmm. you have this baby bird and you're just kind of like helping it. Um, you're cultivating it under those like incubator lights, you know, every yeah. time you meditate and it's getting the feathers. And so your authentic self now instead of just your bag of bones, yeah, like your exactly. actual authentic self is like able to like function and protect itself. Well, from yeah. Some and of people, that outward bullshit. Yeah. And people, you know, in our community talk a lot about spirituality and all that, that they get. And I don't know, like, and 
um, Brene Brown talks about spirituality just being like this interconnection between all things. And I love that. And I do feel like um, I do feel a sense of that when I meditate. And I also just I just um, I do hope that I'm cultivating something different than just than just thinking about new things to worry about, because we're like you said, we got things in our face from moment one. When we pick up our phone, there's like all these alerts. There's this like, oh, there's a sale and there's this and there's this message. And mm-hmm. and here's how your website did yesterday. And all incoming yeah. information. And like almost all of it is is really meaningless. And oh. that's like and that's like what I want to spend the rest of my life sifting out the bullshit and just getting to what and that's that's raising a lot of questions for me just about about like my own digital identity and my own like Mm -hmm. personal identity how much of this stuff really matters we all get so wrapped up and I deal with it especially because I'm working with people who are trying to make a name for themselves a lot of times trying to uh, solidify themselves as a brand. They want to get seen, they want to get noticed and they hire me to help them do that. And that's great. But like at the same time, when I go and a lot of what I do is like, I research things for different people. When I see how hard people are really trying to, to, um, put this, what's that? Get that clout. Yeah, they want this digital. So many of us are caring so much about our digital identity out there, like our websites, our presence, who we are. Oh, I wrote a book. I do a podcast. I do this. And we care so much about that. Man, it's raising real questions for me about like, why, why do we care? And like, you know, Mm -hmm. what are, you know, why are we using this to fill this hole? And do I care? How much am I going to care? You know? When the apocalypse comes and the zombies are like eating our brains, how much will that matter? Yeah, or when Russia like hacks all of our shit and we no longer have any of these accounts and we're all like, oh my God, I can't even get my Facebook to where my Facebook is gone. Who knows? Can someone take a picture of my lunch? There's no Wi-Fi. I know that's the thing. And I mean, it's, it's interesting to, you know, going back to the pink cloud, it's interesting to feel like, you know, you get the opportunity in sobriety. And I think there are plenty of people who get this opportunity, whether they're sober or not, maybe, but Mm -hmm. I feel like in sobriety, we have an elevated opportunity to have such a clear mind and we've all been through the shit right we've all been through the shame shit storms and things Mm -hmm. we've all been through some terrible situations many of us for decades that we're like we're being reborn like you said as baby birds and we're we have this really unique opportunity to to shape who we are and not just default to some like superficial version of ourselves that's what i feel Boom. And I feel like it comes down to being a fierce editor of what's allowed to take up rent Mm -hmm. in our minds. Right. For me, I like, I have about this much formal training in fashion (laughs) and I, I love it. It's my favorite thing. And, um, years ago I kind of learned to have like a curated, like 
a capsule wardrobe and just to minimize because you can buy everything and you can wear everything and you can be a chameleon, but it's fucking exhausting and you don't oh, really yeah. have anything to write home about. And you don't really have like a true like sense of style. This is mm-hmm. an analogy. Like mm-hmm. and it's also true, you know, but like you don't really have like a sense of like your signature look of like who you are. Yeah. And so I've worked really hard to just call, 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 call. And I do love shopping, but I'm really a fierce editor of like, does that belong in my closet? Does it earn a space in my everyday rotation? Yeah. And I'm super yeah. strict. I'm su- I, I don't wear color. I'm super strict. Um, <laughs> I see some color going on behind you. I don't know what you're talking about. I, see pink. Well, I, I only wear this in Mexico. Oh. Okay, I wear a little color. <laughs> Sarah's got one pink shirt in her closet. <laughs> that is but a festive moment. That kind of goes back to just like in your brain. It's like you need to be a fierce editor of like what's allowed to reside in your mind and like take up your your care. And the, there's a book by Mark Manson. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And it's an amazing book that changed my life. And it's all about how to decide what to give a fuck about, how how to dole out what fucks to give. Yeah. Because uh-huh. if you give a fuck about everything, you're going to be gonna be all out of fucks. You're going to be all out of fucks. <laughs> fresh out of fucks. Mm-hmm. That's got, that URL has got to be taken fresh out of fucks.com. <laughs> There's like That's a really- gonna be the sober baddies next project. <laughs> Hashtag. Yes. Yep. I know, um, right? There's like a really good meme that's like a that's like a Nancy Drew book. And it's like the night we buried our last fuck. <laughs> that would be so awesome. We should totally do a remake. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I feel like we've held our people captive too long. Maybe we have to stay by for now. Yeah, hopefully you've arrived at your destination. <laughs> your one your one plus hour commute which sucks. Yeah. Uh-huh, or maybe uh-huh. you're just on a long walk or two uh-huh. maybe you stretch yep. this out over two days or maybe like your kids are at school and you're just like cleaning your house and like folding laundry and just like busting shit out yeah, and you've been hanging with the sober so baddies that's what I do yeah. when I listen to stuff but um this has been great it's been a it's been a a, a quick catch-all of everything Elaine and I have been thinking since we've been apart. (laughs) uh, We just dumped it all on here. Everything from the shame shit storms to the pink clouds. It's all, mm -hmm. yes, it's all. Hopefully there's something in there for you. It's like dumping out a bucket of Halloween candy. There's some stuff you don't really care about. And there's some stuff you want to make sure you get. So um, We hope you've been been the Twix bar in your Halloween box. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And you've been hanging with the sober baddies. Thanks for hanging with us. 